Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Hey, Dog Nation, I'm Brandon Adams. This is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And we are live across all video platforms. We're going to kind of dispense with the pleasantries and just say, hey, we're here. We're, 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 we're talking in L.A. about a back-to-back national championship. I mean, can you believe that? The, the, the moment that we all enjoyed last night. And now we wake up, for me, early in the morning, for you probably uh, not quite so early, but on much less sleep than you're used to. Uh, but Dog Nation fueled right now by the excitement that was an amazing night last night. In our Dog Nation post-game show, which I hope you got a chance to watch, we're, we're swept up in the emotion. You got the confetti coming down. You got the music just blaring. You got the celebrations ongoing all throughout the stadium. And, you know, I, I think in that particular moment, it was more about just sort of soaking it all up. Well, now we're a few hours removed, whether those hours have been spent sleeping or not. Now we're a few hours removed from all of this, and we can get a, more of a chance to talk about it, what it was, to talk about what it meant, to, to, to talk about how it kind of hits all of us here. So we're going to do that. I'm going to share a few thoughts. I'll read a lot of your comments on the show today. Connor Riley's going to pop over and kind of be a part of this uh, with me today too, because uh, listen, he's going to, he's going to help me just kind of, you know, get through what is obviously a, a, a very interesting morning for us here. And then by the way, we're also going to hear one more time uh, today, not during our show, it'll be a separate broadcast, a separate, a separate stream. We'll hear on our show today from Georgia coach Kirby Smart. I'm guessing it'll be Stetson Bennett, Javon Bullard. They'll be back here in the same auditorium where we've been in a couple of times already this week. They'll be back here one more time uh, to just kind of wrap up the week, to, to kind of share those final thoughts on that national championship before Georgia heads back to the Peach State. And obviously, I know they'll be greeted warmly by so many of you, and uh, we expect there to be, you know, you know, more parade, more celebration, all of that. So that's all upcoming for this team once it gets back home. But for today, one more time in Los Angeles. And so stay close to the Dog Nation uh, video channels. We'll try to show you some live coverage of all of that uh, between now and then. So let's talk about how it happened. Let's talk about what it was. Let's talk about how you got to 65-7 to uh, in this uh, national championship here last night. And I think for me, the place I want to begin is with this Georgia offense. Because here's the thing I think we know. That over the course of the last couple of years, this was been the, this has been the thing that maybe it seems like certain people just kind of want to hold over Georgia, that they uh, want to say, well, you know, you know, could Georgia win a shootout game if it had to? Well, guess what? Last uh, Saturday night against Ohio State in the Peach Bowl, we found out that yeah, Georgia absolutely can do that. Or we saw last night a national championship game that Georgia could be as explosive offensively as literally anyone that they set a record last night for the most points and a half of a college football playoff uh, surpassing uh, 2020 uh, Alabama in doing so uh, Stetson Bennett last night set a record for most points accounted for in a college football playoff with his six total touchdowns two of those on the ground four of those through the air the guy that he surpassed on the way to doing that was Joe Burrow the quarterback of the 2019 LSU Tigers and so I think what we saw last night was is that the Georgia offense is more than capable equally capable maybe of being just as um just as 
just as potent, just as dominant, just as effective as this Georgia defense has been. And that's one of the things I think will stand out for me on this, that it was just so obvious that, that, that Georgia came to play offensively. And I just think that took any shot at a TCU up to, uh, upset like right out the window. And frankly, it was just fun to watch, right? I mean, you know, we're watching this play out, and it's just fun. It's just a blast. And the guy that covered a lot of this for Dog Nation was Connor Riley. So he's going to join us here, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Let me give a quick shout-out to ESOG, and then we'll kind of roll into this with Connor. And listen, we're going to be very casual. I'm going to talk to him. I, honestly, I'm curious to kind of hear his thoughts on what happened in the locker room in the postseason, because I, I should say the postgame, because I really haven't had a chance to, to, to kind of – you know, connect with much of that. I want to read a lot of your comments here live on air. I want you to have your say. We are going to get off the air right around 11 a.m. just because we have to get kind of get set up for what's going to happen here next. So we can't go as late as we have in the past. Uh, but we're just going to make this fun and we're going to invite you to be a part of it. So it's Dog Nation Daily. It's presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Of course, you know, foundation waterproofing issues. One of the things I can't believe is, is while all this has been ongoing here in L.A., the weather's been terrible. It's awful this morning, yep. too. And it was uh, bad last night. I'm telling you, it was raining. And frankly, I thought that uh, SoFi Stadium could use a little engineer solution of Georgia because I'm not quite so sure that stadium is as waterproof as it could be, even though it costs $4.9 billion to build. So you don't want the same issue at your house. Uh, you want to make sure that water's not creeping in where it's not supposed to be. At SoFi last night, it kind of was. Or if you've got those cracks in your walls, things like that. Engineered Solutions of Georgia, they want to do good work for you. In fact, they've got an entire team of engineers on staff to take care of you on all of that, to make sure that everything's the way it's supposed to be. They understand how important the structural integrity of your home is. So uh, they put smart people to you. There's nobody else in our market can say they, they have that kind of resources devoted to your issues. Foundation, waterproofing. Our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia are also uh, Proud partners of UGA there as well, which makes them really fun to do business with. And I know this for a fact. Uh, Jay and the entire team over there, they were loving it when uh, George won this national championship last night. So give them a call. And if you just want to talk some dogs with them, I bet they'll do that with you too. Uh, but certainly they are going to be a great resource for you when it comes to your foundation, your waterproofing issues. They've been with us for a long time. So you can check them out today. 678-ESOG uh, now. That's 678-ESOG now for our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. So Connor, I started off by saying, I think from a football standpoint, the first takeaway for me was, you know, over the course of the last couple of years, people would have said about Georgia, well, they got the defense, but what about this offense? Well, last night, the offense set as many records as, as you could. And I think that's really poignant, just knowing that, that it was the one thing that a lot of folks just didn't know that Georgia had an equal measure to what it does defensively. Yeah, Georgia and Todd Munkin, who called a brilliant game last night, they emptied the clip. Uh, you know, there have been times this season where you and I have sat next to each other in the press box and, and we've been like, it's been a while since I've got Brock Bowers involved. Yeah. And there was no hesitation about using him last night. I think seven catches on seven targets for 152 yards and a touchdown in that game. Lad McConkey, who had been banged up, doing better in this game than he had been for the Ohio State game, comes out 88 yards to another two touchdowns. Uh, A.D. Mitchell has another touchdown because that's all he does, catch touchdowns in college football playoff games. Uh, this is a Georgia team that just started the first half in a way that you just don't see teams do. They went touchdown, field goal, touchdown, 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 touchdown on their first six drives of the game to go up 38-7 going into halftime. Uh, this was a team where if they wanted to really put the middle down and, and keep Stetson in there and play a full four-quarter game, because once again, for the eighth time this season, Stetson Bennett did not throw a pass in the fourth quarter of a college football game. Uh, they could have maybe gotten to 80 points in it with how this had played out. And so I think this is a 
Georgia team that made a real statement last night, uh, not just going back to back, but saying, hey, yeah, we're losing Stetson, but a lot of the guys that are making those plays in those games, you know, Kendall Milton, A.D. Mitchell, those guys scoring touchdowns, Branson Robinson as well there. Those guys are all coming back. Every player that scored a touchdown for Georgia last night, as it stands right now, is set to be back in Athens next year. And while Stetson Bennett, the trigger man, won't be there, and they're going to have to replace some very important players in the offensive line, I believe, this offense can be just as special and potent next season. You mentioned Todd Munkin. I do think that Munkin deserves a lot of credit for what Georgia's able to do last night. Some of the stuff that they were drawing up, at least in my eyes, just seemed diabolical and I think that Munkin's an interesting figure in that he is the highest paid assistant in college football and obviously he's a part of now two straight national championships for Georgia but for someone who's contributed to the success to this team the way that he has I still don't quite know that his fame rises to the level of his accomplishment now if you're a Georgia fan you may actually view that as a little bit of a good thing because maybe it makes it less likely that that, that Munkin leaves or something like that but it seems like we've seen offensive coordinators more lauded than 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 Munkin is and yet I'm not really quite so sure how many of those guys are actually more accomplished as a play caller. I think Munkin probably likes things the way that they are. You know, I, 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 I don't know that he's going to you know, try to cultivate a lot of attention around himself necessarily. But do you think because of the performance he had last night on the big stage, all of a sudden this raises his profile and he becomes a little bit more famous as an offensive coordinator? It's ageism. That's all it is. You know, Garrett Riley uh, won the Burles World. Garrett Riley had a sensational season with what TCU did. Um, but Todd Munkin's 56 years old. He's on the older side. And, you know, in this profession it is so important to be the hot young commodity the the, the big time guy on the rise well not everyone fits in a the, 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 the scruffy beard you have yeah. that you have the scruffy beard look yeah and, and that's not munkin munkin is a guy who's been around the block you know he was an offensive coordinator at oklahoma state over a decade ago head coach at southern miss uh went and and called plays in the nfl and served as an offensive coordinator there and you know i i i didn't get a whole lot of traction in the coaching cycle and the coaching carousel this time around, you know, other than maybe Purdue, a lot of teams really didn't, I believe, give him serious consideration. And if you're Georgia and you get him coming back next year and he's already the highest paid offensive coordinator, uh, Josh Brooks, you're probably going to need to open up the checkbook again, just given what we've seen from him and keeping that man happy in Athens, because, it, it, you know, uh, you know, in thinking back about the journey and where these guys have come from, you know, these guys, the, the, the seniors on this team, the four year seniors anyway, I know, you know, Stetson 2017, Chris Smith is 2018 guy. They came in in that 2019 season and we were talking about that 2019 team last night. You know, that team won 12 games that year, but man, that offense was a pain to watch. And to see the offensive evolution in the three years under Todd Munkin and where he has gotten that team to last night, delivering the best Georgia offensive performance we have ever seen and may very well ever see because it's just hard to be better than what they were last night. It speaks to what Munkin has done each and every year, adding something to this to this team and getting this offense better. So B.A.'s Cardigan, uh, one of our YouTube commenters, brings up something, and we're just going to kind of bounce around here a little bit if y'all don't mind. I think this is really important. He says something about the fact this team is angry. Connor, I think that angry is an interesting word here. And listen, on the one hand, today's a day to celebrate, today's to be happy, today's a day to kind of have a big smile on your face and kind of relish, you know, all the things that happen. It's not a day to be spiteful, I don't believe. But there is a, a little bit of a strain of this that I can't help but but notice. And I think that B.A. Cargan's actually really right about this, is that I do think this team is fueled a little bit about the fact that 
I mean, the, the, the worst cliche in sports is nobody believed in us. But I think this team can kind of point to some specific, tangible evidence that nobody believed in them. And there is seemingly no shortage of, like, anonymous coach that always seems to be ripping UGA. And I think – and maybe we'll hear some of this in, in, in the press conference we're going to hear, you know, before the Georgia leaves uh, L.A. But what uh, B.A. Cardigan says, I think there's an element of this is true, is there's a dark side of this national championship for Georgia where – Especially go back to the Tennessee game, which I actually still kind of probably think stands as the the seminal moment of this season. There was a fever pitch in that stadium on on that particular Saturday. Georgia fans were edgy and angry. The team itself is edgy and angry. They were vanquishing critics as much as they were beating an opponent. And I do think that's a little bit of a through line that goes – Connects this national championship season for Georgia. Yeah, I think if you if you know if you're on your our Dog Nation YouTube page, go watch the interview I did with Chris Smith after the game last night. There was an edge in talking with him uh, about, and Chris Smith is one of the most awesome guys you'll ever get a chance to talk with. And asking him about, you know, even going into this game, you know, there's a lot of chatter out there about this Georgia defense. You know, had they taken a step back, would they be able to slow down TCU? There was an edge to this team and this performance out there that, hey, you know, we, we know we haven't played up to our standard in recent weeks, but we're going to, and we're going to make it very clear just how good we are. I know you and I talked after the game. They were a busted play, uh, which I, I'll, I'll have a story on how that play happened and unfolded. I got the chance to talk to Keely Ringo about it afterwards and, and just sort of what happened there. They were a busted play away from winning 65 to nothing in a national title game. You don't do that if you're a happy team. Uh, you, you don't make that kind of statement if you're a happy-go-lucky, hey, we're just happy to be here and have a good time. Uh, you're doing that to send a message, and, and I think they settled all scores tonight, and you know it's unfortunate that it did, ha- it did happen to, TT- to TCU. Uh, you know, in hearing them this week, you have a lot of respect for them and what they were able to do uh, and accomplish this season. Uh, you kind of wish that it was maybe a Michigan or, or an Alabama in this game. Uh, just because it would have been a lot funnier to see those teams lose 65-7. to But you don't make that kind of a statement and put forth that kind of performance if you don't have a little anger in you. I, Connor, I was laughing. I think that's so well said. 65-7 to is not the actions of a happy team. No. <laughs> this is not a team that's tiptoeing through the tulips here. And uh, so I think that's uh, uh, accurate. David Hogue says that he's glad to see us this morning, but Kirby should have given us the day off. I told the folks during the first and 15, though, listen, we got all kinds of folks in our audience right now who didn't sleep last Last night, and they're trying to get up and go to work today. Who would we be? First of all, it can't be Dog Nation daily unless you do it every day. And listen, you don't have to tell me. I'm seeing myself on the video screen. I look terrible right now. My face is puffy like marshmallows. I look awful. But guess what? We're going to be here. And Connor didn't have to be here. Uh, but Connor wanted to be here for us, and then I dragged him in here for more than he bargained for. So uh, I guess no good deed goes unpunished. But the point is, is uh, do you think we're not going to be here on this national championship uh, Tuesday? Of course we're going to be here on Dog Nation Daily. No days off, guys. No days off. Greatness doesn't take a day off. Good. Which, by the way, uh, if, I, if I wasn't here, I wouldn't be able to tell you about the fact that I don't have my field edition. left it up in my hotel room. I do have – so <laughs> – very quick story. So um, I was coming up and getting set up for the show, and which is never my favorite thing to do, just to be completely honest with you, putting all the camera stuff together. And so I opened up the, the door. There's, we use a tripod for the camera. You would imagine we might. 
And as I unzipped the tripod, confetti just went everywhere. Just, I mean, all over the hotel floor. I got so many dirty looks from the people here uh, at the uh, wonderful Marriott where we've been uh, housed. So there's confetti strewn all over everywhere. I don't have my field edition, but if I did, I'd hold it up. You saw it last night, celebrating the perfect season for Georgia. It's one of those many commemorative items you can get as a way of uh, basking in the idea that Georgia's back-to-back -back national champions. We say around here, go for two and 22. That mission was completed last night, and you can celebrate that by going to AJC com slash dogs news ajc.com slash dogs news all kinds of ways you like to decorate your basement and your home your office whatever else many of you have already kind of done that from a year ago well guess what right next to it you're going to make some more room here ajc.com slash dog news dogs news you can get all of the stuff that you need to really celebrate this back-to-back -back national championship in style so connor i, I want to kind of go back to the historic part of this here for a moment um to me, this is a historic team. Now, where do you rank, you know, against so-and-so or so-and-so? You know, honestly, a lot of that ends up just being someone's opinion. But there are a handful of teams that sort of mean more to me than others. There is a short list of, of, of truly special national champions. There's a national champion in every year. Not all of them are equally memorable. But I think this Georgia team, because it's 15-0, the year after it also won a national championship, I think this is a team that's in the conversation with the 2019 LSUs. You want to mention like 2013 Florida State. You want to mention some of these teams that have been, you know, among the most successful, certainly in this sort of, you know, kind of BCS college football playoff era, Georgia is in that historic conversation, at least of the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah, uh, I had a story go up this morning uh, on the significance of going 15-0 and what that meant to this team. Uh, you know, players talked about they wanted to do something for this team that was different from last year. And, and Kirby Smart mentioned this in the postgame press conference. Sure, last year's team may have been more naturally raw talented. But this team every week found a way to win. Sometimes it was very easy, like you saw last night or against Oregon in the opening season. Georgia won its first game of the year, 49-3. Won its last game of the year, 65-7. to In those two games, they won by a combined score of 114-10 to against two teams that finished the year ranked in the top 15. Uh, and they also found ways to, to gut out wins. They were down by 13 on the road at Missouri. They were down 14 in the fourth quarter against Ohio State. And, and they kept finding ways to win this season. And that shouldn't be lost on, on what this team accomplished. You know, you, you and I were, were batting fourth uh, last night. You know, if Georgia 2021 versus 2022 were to play each other, uh, what would the spread be? I, I said probably 2021 is probably maybe a, a touchdown and a half point favorite. But – I'd have a hard time picking against this 2022 team, just given what we have seen them do time and time again, and how we have seen this team thrive when they have been an underdog, so to speak, or, or picked against or doubted. And I think that would show up if these two teams got on the field. I think it's exactly right. And then you go to Stetson Bennett here. Like, what are you comfortable saying about Stetson Bennett? You know, last year, people, even I think Aaron Murray even started the conversation, well, now he's the greatest quarterback in Georgia football history. And at the time, I remember thinking, well, listen, I think what Stetson's done is great, but come on now, you got Eric Zier. Come on now, you got David Green. Come on now, you got DJ Shockley. These are guys that I have great reverence mm -hmm. for, great reverence for. Uh, so last year, I found myself wanting to say, uh, a little bit of recency bias to kind of crown him as the best quarterback in Georgia football history. Well, my gosh, that's, that's long since passed. He is at least the best quarterback this program has ever had. What else beyond that? are you willing to say because that's been a big topic here with some pretty prominent voices weighing on this what are you comfortable saying with the career of Stetson Bennett yeah uh, I think 
easily the greatest quarterback to have ever played for Georgia in terms of what he has gone out and accomplished on the field. I think, quite frankly, his senior season might be the best season we've ever seen from a Georgia quarterback when you consider, I I think, 37 total touchdowns, uh, both rushing and passing. Um, He had 10 rushing touchdowns this season. Uh, six of them came in games against top 25 ranked opponents, or seven, excuse me, came in games against top 25 opponents. Uh, he was at his best in big games this season. Georgia 6-0 uh, to, against teams that ended the season in the AP poll. Uh, Stetson Bennett was magnificent in those games. And, you know, as far as, you know, wider, you know, 30,000-foot views of Georgia football, I think he's on the Georgia football Mount Rushmore right now with Herschel Walker, Vince yeah. Dooley, and Kirby Smart. And, you know, look, there's going to be a conversation about is he the greatest, most accomplished player to ever play for Georgia. I know you and I batted around Herschel Walker last night. And that, uh, I think, let's just be honest here, Herschel Walker's political career has maybe tainted the way some people feel about him. But regardless of that and, you know, how you want to compare Stetson and Herschel, I think Stetson belongs in that conversation, if, in, even if he may not be better than Herschel Walker was. And, and the fact that he got to that point, yeah. given where he was, even you know this time a year ago, because I believe the way the calendar works, I'm not sure, my brain is kind of fried right now. He had not yet beaten Alabama, and, and there were still people that would have liked to have seen JT Daniels in that game right now. JT Daniels is on the way, his way to Rice. Right. Stetson Bennett, and look, some of you guys might bristle at this, but you know I follow the NFL stuff pretty closely. Stetson Bennett is going to be in the NFL next year. Yeah, I, th- I think that, look, this is a longer conversation for many, many weeks, maybe in a couple months from now. You know, for me, the best player in Georgia football history is still Herschel Walker. However, I, I love the idea of kind of framing this around Mount Rushmore because at that point in time, you don't have to rank them. You just sort of put them in a category. And I think it was you who last night said this as we were just kind of, you know, enjoying ourselves a little bit. It's two coaches, two players. It's Vince, it's, it's Kirby, it's Herschel, it's Stetson, and those are the four most prominent names to ever be connected to Georgia football. And yeah, I know, well, that leads off a guy like David Pollock, but, but the thing about a Mount Rushmore is there's only room for four, and that's what makes it kind of a fun sports debate. There's only room for four. And so a guy like Pollock is probably, you know, kind of held you know below that right now, and, and Stetson Bennett's clearly on it. And listen, I'd be happy to listen to anybody's debate on that, but that for me is just kind of what it is. I can't make anybody a better player than Herschel Walker because I know how dominant Herschel Walker was. But can I put him in the same sentence with Herschel Walker in terms of his impact on the program? After the last couple of seasons, you'd be crazy not to. I'll note this, though. Stetson Bennett may not be on that Mount Rushmore for long because Brock Bowers is incredible. He really is. Led Georgia in receiving back-to-back years. I, I think he finished the year 944 receiving yards by my guess. That is a top five wide receiver season or pass catching season of all time. He's 29 and one in his career yeah. right now, and there's a chance Georgia wins the national championship again next year. They'll be favored to do so, and he'll go off and be a first-round draft pick after that. And if he leads Georgia in receiving again next year, and they win it all again, again, lots going to happen. We're going to spend a ton of time talking about you know three-peating. Although I would like to state I. Was was the first person on this mountain he was on the corner you're gonna hear a lot of people saying and talk about it and whatnot uh you know the fact that Brock Bowers and then he what he did last night shouldn't get lost because I just think you know you saw last night when when they're like all right we got nothing to lose we got nothing to hold back we're just gonna force feed Brock Bowers the ball and there was not a thing TCU could do to stop him so this is the kind of stuff we talk about sometimes during the game I really felt like that Georgia last night had parallel historic storylines playing out because on the one hand Stetson Bennett's accounting for six touchdowns in the national championship that's idiotic in terms of a performance but Bowers had within an eyelash shot as you said of getting to a thousand yards but also a 200 yard receiving it for a tight end to get 200 yards that's that's 
just asinine. And I'm telling you, for the for the entirety of Bauer's career, and this is, I, I believe, almost solely due to the fact that Georgia's sort of an ensemble-type team, and there's so many guys who are really good, I really don't believe a lot of people, even some people who I think of as really good Georgia fans who are watching this team pretty closely, because there's so many data points to consider, I don't think people realize that Bowers is unlike anything we've ever seen before. This is this is a guy that is single-handedly redefining the position. He's running reverses. He's I mean, he's redefining the position. It, it, not to go too inside journalism here, but he's hard to write about simply because there's just there's nothing that you can say about him that you know, like you, you just go looking for quotes and like, hey, like what makes this guy special? And it's you know, you hear competitive excellence so much from guys like Todd Hartley and Todd Munkin, but you know, he doesn't surprise anyone anymore. There's nothing new to be covered about Brock Bowers. He's just simply an awesome football player, and I, I think if he continues on his trajectory and, and does what he has done in each of his first two seasons as Georgia, and look, I'll, I'll be the first to eat crow about this. You know, I, I did not think that he would statistically have a better season this year, just given the sort of ensemble cast. Well. He didn't have more touchdowns, but he finished with more receiving yards and he finished with more receptions, improved as a receiver, uh, you know, played a very large role in Georgia's unique two tight end offense. I do want to shout out Darnell Washington here last night. There was a lot of questions about how available, how healthy he would be in that game. He played 43 snaps in that game, and that shouldn't be lost. And a guy who very easily could have shut it down and said, hey, you know, I, I got to protect myself. I got a potential NFL draft decision coming up. The fact that he went out there and played that many snaps and gutted it out to the level that he did, I thought was a really great thing to see from Darnell. And he had one big catch for 28 yards. And I think if he was fully healthy, he may have scored on that play. And I think he knew it too, because in the moment afterwards, you could tell he was a little annoyed that he didn't end up yeah. getting into the end zone. Uh, but the fact that, you know, Bowers and Washington, you had both of them on the field this year just made things so incredibly difficult for opposing teams. I want to talk about Darnell Washington here for a minute, too. Let me roll into Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by Georgia's own credit union. We're happy to have them with us throughout the season all, all, all year long and happy to have all of you with us here, too. When you look at the, the, the just impact of team chemistry on Georgia, the, Kirby used the word connection all the time, and I do believe for this team that was real. I don't know that any player embodies that more so than Darnell Washington. I think that Darnell Washington has really emerged as a really, really compelling figure on this team because, you know, this is a guy that there had been transfer rumors and obviously, you know, you, you know, I think a lot of us look at him and say, you could be one of the greatest offensive tackles of all time if that's what you chose to be, but he wanted to be tight end. He wanted to get the football in his hand, and people have a right to want what they want. That's kind of what Darnell Washington wanted. But when you have this image of, well, he wants the football, and maybe he'll go somewhere else to get the football more. If it, You know, you might have this sort of caricature you would draw of a guy in that situation to think that he's sort of selfish me first or something like that. I don't think Darnell Washington, anything like that, could be any further from the truth. This is a guy who committed himself to being whatever Georgia needed for him to be. Sometimes that's catching the football. Sometimes that's being a great blocker. He's obviously going to be, I believe, very well paid in the NFL here at some point in time. I've had a chance to talk to him now twice uh, earlier this weekend in L.A., in Atlanta, before the Peach Bowl. He seems to be having the time in his life, even though he's obviously been battling injury. Um, I think he's really become a a big leader here for this Georgia team. I think the growth of Washington while being at Georgia is really a testament to the kind of culture that Georgia creates. And I think that Washington has become a really strong contributor to that culture. He's he's one of the guys that helps make Georgia what it is. If Washington were at another, you know, another program and they had Brock Bowers and the tight end room that Georgia had, you know, maybe maybe Washington does transfer after last season. Um, but he stayed the course. And, and another guy who followed in similar footsteps is Amarius Mims, a guy who literally entered the transfer portal last night. And I was talking with a friend of ours, Jake Rowe, and he told him after the game he made an immature decision when he entered the transfer portal and realized, you know, 
Georgia's probably going to be a team that can win the national title this year. And if I stick that out and I keep getting better here as he did this season, I'm going to have a chance to play a role. And he started the first two games of his college career in a college football playoff semifinal against Ohio State and a college football national championship game against TCU. And I think those two guys, you know, massive, massive human beings, the biggest yeah. on the Georgia team, for them to go through what they've gone through. And, you know, there are going to be guys going into the future who, you know, highly rated recruits, maybe they're not seeing the field a ton right away uh, and think, you know, maybe I should go elsewhere. I think now now that Georgia is through year seven and Kirby has fully made this his program, put his stamp on it, and you've seen time and time again, there have been guys who had to sit a few years. There have been guys who considered transferring. You know, Quay Walker famously said he want, he had thought about it, went into Kirby's office to talk, uh, talk about it. And Kirby said, no, you're not. You're, you're going to stick it out and you're going to be here and you're going to end up being a first-round pick. And I think going forward, you're going to see more and more guys like that. And, and it speaks to what Kirby has built and, and how strong this culture is because I think when you look at this team and why they were able to win the national championship they were the only power five team in the country that didn't take a player out of the transfer portal last year now that's not you know an anti-transfer portal statement i actually think it is more a statement of how strong this team's culture is and that is what set georgia up apart from the rest of college football this season a couple great comments i want to read here let me remind folks who said before it's around the doghouse presented by georgia's own credit union go ahead and get one of those visa signature and platinum cards from georgia's own credit union as you're traveling around doing things like we are right now obviously it makes the things you're already doing purchases and travel and things like that so much more enjoyable to use you get great features and benefits including cash back and merchandise and all kinds of other things you even get up to 150 dollars for signing up for one of these visa signature platinum cards so find out more at georgiasown.org that's georgiasown.org for a lot more on that so how about this from bubba uh, who says that the offense for georgia averaged 52.33 points in three postseason games uh that's pretty good yeah that's hard to argue against uh, I, I think the stat that blows my mind i think going into georgia's final offensive possession last night they had run 60 four plays and had 65 points uh, that is just an insane number uh in terms of points per play metric usually you know it, anything around like 0.7 is, is pretty outstanding for that to be one deep into the fourth quarter of a national championship game uh, it just speaks to what this offense was able to do on saturday monday i don't know what day it is. yeah whatever day it is uh bill sanders says the national media is already talking about what alabama needs to do to win the national championship next year i gotta tell you to me, there's nothing less relevant than anything about Alabama right now. And listen, I, I get the idea, and I had some fun with this, I guess, too. I, you know, I get the idea that people were laughing at Pollock because of what he said, David Pollock, on the set last night with Nick Saban about Georgia taking over college football. But the one thing I just can't do, and I know there's probably some easy points to be scored here by doing this, I can't view the college football playoff through the lens of Alabama. I just can't. Alabama is not relevant. They lost twice. Two lost teams are just not that relevant. I I'm sorry. I just don't care about Alabama. And Bill, I know where you're coming from. If you kind of see some of this being framed up there as well of, ah, you know, you made Nick Saban mad in 2021, but now you've really made him mad in 2022. Well, guess what? He's going to even be more mad in 2023. Like, I just don't care about Alabama. They are not a relevant factor in this discussion. And I did sort of find there was a little bit of a social media thing last night to try to you know try to push uh you know this in the direction of alabama the notion that somehow georgia beating tcu 65 to 7 proves how good alabama is like 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 i'm sorry they just could not be less of a relevant topic you know who's gonna be the number one team to start next season it's gonna be the georgia bulldogs you know who's the odds making favorite to win the national title it's season? gonna be the georgia bulldogs yeah and you know shifting away from a team that lost games to Tennessee and LSU this year versus a team that went undefeated. Chris Smart talked about this in his post-game press conference last night. Uh, you know, 
it's going to be hard to win a third straight national title because he felt, and he was consistent through this without the season, they had so many new guys that felt like they hadn't accomplished anything in Jamon Dumas-Johnson, Shmuel Munden, Zan Logue. Those guys backed that up time and time again this season. This team isn't losing as much as last season's team was. And so, you know, I, I think the, the famous Pat Riley quote is the disease of more. Kirby Smart has talked about that a lot already. I think the other big thing is, you know, it's hard to get up and, and work out every morning at 5 a.m. if you're doing so in silk pajamas. And I, I think this is a Georgia team I'm really going to be interested in seeing going forward into this offseason. What do they, you know, how important to them is, is three-peating? Because it's something that, from an undisputed standpoint, has not ever happened. Uh, the last team to win three straight national championships is technically Army from 1944 through 1946, but part of those were claimed and also it was during World War II. And, and so I, I think with Georgia and, and what it's going to try and do next season, it is semi-unprecedented. You know, Alabama got real close in 2013. Kirby Smart was on that staff. They famously lose the kick six game, but they ran out of gas there at the end of that season, and then they, you know, you lose to Auburn, and then you turn around and lose to Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl it's going to be a long season next year for this team if they're going to go in fact try and repeat for a third time and, and it'll be really interesting to see how they go through this offseason what the message is you know because this is a team that look this team was fueled by doubt this season and they're not going to have the benefit of the doubt with that next year so it's about five or ten more minutes yeah. all right we'll, we'll do about five or so more minutes with Connor then we'll let him get set up for the press conference it's gonna come and there's what I'll, the one thing I'll say about 2023 Santiago Arnold uh, mentioned in our Facebook comment section guys like Barry Alexander, Mikhail Williams, what they were doing. You had so many freshmen making so many big contributions for Georgia. Hard not to notice just how bright this defense can shine next season. Some of those young guys getting more experience. As Connor said, Mims getting the experience that he's getting obviously helps you on the offensive line there as well. I'm going to say this one time now. We're going to talk more about this obviously in the weeks and certainly months to come. The opposite side of the coin from a year ago. Last year, I spent an offseason saying Georgia is more of a national championship contender than people realize. That, 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 first of all, most national champions at least come back and compete hard the following year. You know, there's not been a lot of precedent for back to back, but in the playoff era, the team that with, with very few exceptions, the team that wins it one year is very competitive towards a national championship for the next year. There was no obvious reason why Georgia would not be in, in that category. So I thought that Georgia was undervalued to begin the season. On the flip side of this, I think there's going to be a natural tendency because Georgia's one two straight to assume the third's going to be even easier because you don't see any obvious things standing in their way. Here's what I'm telling you. I say this all the time. College football is easy to project, but it's difficult to predict. In other words, we can look and see on paper who the three or four best teams are, but actually predicting what happens within that is still really hard to do. So I'm not going to be a wet blanket because of the National Championship Tuesday here, but in terms, if you want to think ahead to 2023, just because you can project Georgia's number one doesn't mean it's going to be easy to finished there. We're going to kind of talk about some of that coming up in the uh, weeks to come. For now, though, we want to keep having this conversation with you. Your 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 comments kind of driving where we're going here uh, a little bit as Georgia wins over TCU 65-7. to They stand up as back-to-back -back national champions, and it has just been such a fun thing to watch play out. Uh, Connor, when we did one of our Go for 2 and 22 videos of the day, I asked you if you thought that the celebration of Georgia 1 would be the same as, less than, more so than what happened in 2021. Um, I thought for me, and maybe this is a lot of reasons because I was actually on the field last night and I wasn't in 2021, so there may have been some like logistical reasons that mm -hmm. it felt the way that it did for me, but I celebrated this more last night than I did in 2021, and I'd be curious to kind of try to figure out why that was, but I mean, it was sheer elation for me on that field last night as a Georgia fan. The Georgia fans that I had a chance to interact with kind of around the field, 
I think they felt the same way. I don't know if you got that same sense from Georgia fans or not, but um, I thought the the celebration last night was actually kind of more uh, unhinged, you know, more like just sort of visceral than what happened in 2021. Did you get that sense from Georgia fans last night? 2021 was more emotional. 2022 was more fun. Uh, you know, I got a chance to sneak out into the stands for the fourth quarter. Uh, at the start of the fourth quarter, you know, see Georgia fans lighting up, see them, you know, celebrate and praise Stetson Bennett as he walked off the field for the final time in his Georgia career. And, and while Georgia, I think, was up, you know, 48-7, 55-7, whatever it was at that point in the game, there was still pure elation and, and, and fans, you know, super excited about that. And, you know, you go down on the field and you see them celebrating afterwards and the fans are packing the stands as, you know, players run around and, and, and celebrate with them. Uh, you know, the win over Alabama was emotional because it felt like getting so many demons off their chest. Uh, last night was just pure, pure fun, enjoying from start to finish, just a dominant performance and really enjoying everything that yesterday and this team had to offer. What was your vantage point on, on all of this? Because for me, you know, I'm on the one hand, I'm trying to get the, the equipment set up to do the postgame show because you want to try to get on the air as quick as you can. People kind of come to expect that from us. That is our job after all. And yet I kept getting distracted by what was happening because, I mean, you just had, you know, everybody running around. You know, I mean, literally the confetti's raining down. Um, I mean, it was, I think you said it right. You know, 2021 was emotional. I think, you know, you know you've lost a close friend. I've, I've lost family members. And you, you kind of um, you kind of think about that in a situation like this. Last night was a wild party. It was a wild, wild party. And um, what was your vantage point of seeing all this? Yeah, I, I, well... <laughs> One, the uh, the SoFi Stadium, uh, you know, security had told us that we're not going to be able to get on the field after the game, and naturally, you know, it was very much not the case, and so there was some confusion there. But we get down there, and I get down there, and the the, the tunnel that I come out, I'm just right in a scrum, and it's Georgia player after Georgia player with a cigar, uh, you know, celebrating, dapping people up, uh, and, and just running around for a solid, you know, 40 minutes. Uh, I checked my Apple Watch this morning and it said I had, you know, 95 minutes of exercise yesterday. Oh, and and I'm like, oh, geez, I, I guess I was running around quite a lot in the post game, you know, chasing after guys like Kirby Smart, Stetson Bennett. Uh, you know, N'Kobe Dean was down there on the field. Mark Webb is down there on the field. Those guys were celebrating and super happy to see this team succeed. Uh, you know, you saw Nolan Smith having emotional moments with coaches and players. Uh, Kirby Smart and Don Blaylock sharing a nice moment there on the field, which all that video you can find on our Dog Nation YouTube page. Good. At the end of the day, uh, you know, as Kirby Smart and Stetson Bennett are walking to from the uh, press conference to go do ESPN interviews, sort of anonymously walks up one Matthew Stafford, and How about that? And, and and they're walking up. They take a picture. They they exchange some words, have some good times, and, and there was just a lot of happy faces and a lot of smiles on the Georgia sidelines last night. And you know, as emotional as you know and gratifying as the 2021 title was, climbing that mountain for the first time. This team really celebrated and reveled in what last night meant to this team and to this program. On YouTube, Brandon Jones called Stetson Bennett the Tom Brady of college football. I kind of like that as a comparison because, you know, Brady was obviously one of those guys that was always fueled by where he was drafted. I think that Stetson Bennett's going to be kind of fueled by his own version of that. But so on media day, I was going live. I We, we streamed that. And so I spend the entire time kind of walking around and talking to people there. And just because of the logistics of that, it's very hard to kind of talk to the guys like Stetson Bennett because they're always having such a large crowd around them. It just doesn't make much sense for me to try to get over there because I can't get close enough for you all to be able to hear it. So there's no point in me doing it. So late, uh, I guess it's been Sunday night, late Sunday night prior to the game uh, the next day, I went back and watched some of the videos of some of the guys I did not get a chance to, to, um, to co uh, converse with during media day. The, the, the committee folks kind of put some of those videos up for us. And 
I just couldn't believe how confident Stetson Bennett sounded. And as a Georgia partisan, as someone who rabidly cheers for this team and wants this team to win, there's a part of me who's like, I hope this is not false hubris because he just was so relaxed. He's holding court. He's laughing. He's telling stories. And it's either this thing of, well, Stetson knows he's got this or he's just an idiot. And he has no idea. Like, like, like he's just, you know, he's, he's overstated his ability to kind of handle a moment like this. I mean, I just felt like he came across, he wasn't bragging and boasting. I mean, it was one of those things. He just seemed so comfortable in his own skin. I was left to conclude, does he appreciate the magnitude of the moment? If these, if this is, how relaxed he is well come to find out maybe he just sort of did know he had this i mean i will always remember his level of confidence at that media day i thought it was sort of a shocking level of confidence like you know gosh this is a guy that i think has been kind of nervous in some big games in the past he doesn't come across as nervous at all right now um he really grew up a lot over the course of this year uh, yeah, the line I used in a story I wrote about him on Monday morning, uh, his confidence is both innate and irrational. Uh, no one should be as confident as Stetson Bennett is when you are Stetson Bennett and the physical makeup that you have. But the mental makeup that he has grown into over the course of his Georgia career, I think is why he exits this program as one of its all-time greats. And you, you can't get to that point without believing in yourself and having a belief, as crazy as it might be, that you're capable of putting forth great performances and playing big in your best games. And look, he's been here before. I think he was definitely nervous before the Alabama game last year, but you and Jeff Sintel talk so much about stage games. Sesson Bennett became the first player in college football playoff history last night to win four offensive MVPs or just MVP performances in general. The previous record holder of that was Trevor Lawrence, a guy who could not physically be more different than, uh, than Stetson Bennett. And so the fact that Stetson Bennett has been the absolute best in the biggest moments for him, I think explains so perfectly who he is. All right, very quickly here, uh, our friends at Royal Caribbean, obviously we got the, you know, normally we do a cruise around the SEC. Uh, today we're just talking about this national championship. Georgia we, is the SEC today. Right, exactly. Georgia has, has engulfed the SEC, but we do want you on board our Royal Caribbean uh, second ever cruise with Dog Nation coming in in April. Go to royaldogs.com. You can call Jessica Slater, number right there on your screen. And uh, we want you to be a part of this. We've opened up some new staterooms to be a part of this. So uh, as a way of celebrating the national championship, we're making some more room for you. Y'all, this is going to be an unbelievable party it was last year our second ever cruise with dog nations already far bigger than what we did a year ago and now that we can confirm that yeah georgia is the national champions that gives us the freedom to have the party the size that we want to have it if you've been on the fence uh last night's game was the indication that you need it's time to get going it's time to be on board with us jessica's going to help you get booked up so go to royaldogs.com click that be a part of it uh give her a call she'll answer whatever questions you have um you want me to answer questions for you i'll do that we want you on board uh, a little bit of time left a few state rooms now open back up so get on board be with us for the second ever cruise with dog nation all right connor a couple quick things with you before we let you go uh spencer clark brings this up uh shout out to the offensive line he says best in the country it is true and we go back to the the thing we talked about earlier about the little bit of edge that Georgia had. This is an offensive line two years in a row had to have Michigan crowned as the best offensive line ahead of it. It just seems laughable in the face of where Georgia is and where Michigan isn't. It's an example of just one of those things. And listen, who knows? I mean, you know, Cole Kubik, who's deeply involved in the Joe Moore Award, has kind of tried to explain a very football ease sense way about, you know, how it is they choose this Joe Moore Award. Frankly, you know, whatever. It, it still comes down to a matter of opinion. So who knows, you know, what ultimately leads, you know, one unit to win it over the other. But two years in a row, Michigan over Georgia, that, that, is, that, that is not covering the Joe Moore Award in glory. Michigan gave up four sacks against TCU. Georgia gave up zero. 
uh, you know, and, and I and this was a story that I had written in in the run up to the the Peach Bowl that this was a Georgia team that yeah they did feel slighted about not winning the Joe Moore Award and look. Uh, you know, going forward five years from now, I don't know if anyone's going to talk about that Joe Moore award winning offensive line at Michigan, but I, I know we're going to talk about Broderick Jones and Cedric Van Praan and, and how much they meant to this team and how important they were to, to Georgia winning a national title. Uh, one of the things, because I expect Broderick Jones to have played his final game at Georgia, I think he's going to be a first round draft pick. And when you're a first round draft pick, you don't come back. Uh, watching him just try and just absolutely annihilate people. Uh, you know, linebackers, defensive backs, when he's running out there on screens, he tried to do it again last night. It's just one of the most fun things I've watched a player do. Uh, and, you know, spinning this ahead to 2023, I actually think the toughest guy Georgia's going to have a time replacing next season, it's not Jalen Carter. It's not Chris Smith. It's actually Cedric Van Pran. Good. Given what he has meant to this offensive line, the leadership that he brings, he's one of the four permanent captains from this team. And, and I think, you know, him again and Jake Rowe, our buddy, found this stat. Georgia's the first team in the history of college football to give up just nine sacks in 15 games. That's uh, amazing. It, just an incredible effort from this offensive line all season. And they are a huge, and even though we don't talk a ton about them as much as I think we should, uh, they're an absolutely huge reason why this team is successful. All right, I'm going to give you a final thought here. I know you've got some stuff you want to do to get ready for what we're about to see. And by the way, on the Dog Nation video channels here coming up, what is it? hour 15 minutes from now um we expect to hear from kirby smart i think stetson bennett javon bullard so that's gonna be fun oh let me just say this javon bullard's one of the best players in college football like like he's one of the best players in college he's got an mvp streak of his own working on right now and i've said this now a thousand times i'm gonna say it again at one point in time you looked at bullard and you're like you know this guy's a little bit of an unsung hero bullard's doing more than you realize out there and then he kind of graduates to gosh javon bullard's a solid starter man you're glad you have him in this team all of a sudden now, I mean, he's just separating guys from the football and the biggest games that have been played. Like, Javon Bullard comes back next year as one of the best players in the country, regardless of position. This is, uh, this is a team full of good stories. Javon Bullard is an amazing story. Yeah, a guy literally no one knew. And, and part of that is the COVID-19, uh, you know, 2021 pandemic recruiting class. And that's one of the things I really want to try and dive into this offseason. You know, so many of these guys that Georgia, that the best players in next year's team are going to be, uh, came up during that class, you know, Brock Bowers and Jamon Dumas Johnson didn't get a chance to play their senior seasons uh, high school football. I think that absolutely affected where they ended up being ranked. Um, you have a guy in, you know, A.D. Mitchell who was just sen essentially sending out highlight clips, and that's how he ended up at Georgia. You know, Javon Bowler was a guy who didn't get a chance to visit Georgia at all during his recruitment, and Georgia only got to know him over Zoom. So many of these guys, you know, just – and this isn't to call it the recruiting industry, but, you know, it was just so hard to evaluate guys in that recruiting class. Georgia found a way to do it and do it pretty well with you know a recruiting class that finished ranked number four in that year it's the only time other than the 2016 class Kirby Smart's first that they didn't have a top five recruiting or top three recruiting class rather and I think when you're going to look at this class at the end of the day with the guys that they had in that class it's going to be pretty clear that maybe this should have been the number one overall recruiting class for that cycle so give me a final thought here anything else I really haven't seen post game I mean how much fun was Kirby and like we obviously saw or at least we heard <laughs> I mean you talk about a water fall of profanity i've never heard anything like the leaked audio that's come out of kirby i'm not exactly sure exactly what game it came from it obviously came out during the game last night but to get back on point um 
what was it like post game and then just anything else uh, that you want to make us aware of before we say goodbye to you? Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, you know, you got to talk to, I got a chance to talk to Lad McConkey in post game. You know, he's like, I can't talk right now. My, my voice is so lost from either the screaming or the cigar smoke that he had inhaled. <laughs> but he had something really cool to say about Sam Bennett. Uh, Nolan Smith got really emotional in the post game locker room. I thought Keely Ringo had some really good stuff, especially with some of the public criticism that he had faced. We talked about Quentin Johnson a lot going into this game. I know I wrote about him. He had one catch for three yards last night. Uh, I, I, there was a lot of happy guys in that Georgia locker room. Uh, and, and at the same point in time, there are a lot of guys that are excited about what the future of this program holds and where it is going to go going forward. And as far as a final thought, you know, so much of college football is about people. And last night was still really, really cool. And while it's yeah. not as emotional as the 2021 title was, uh, I got a tattoo here after last year's title. I'm going to go get another one this yeah. season. Uh, I had friends in the stadium last night, got to see yeah. a few of them, got to hang out with a few of them beforehand. Uh, college football is about people, and Georgia fans get to celebrate with their people today, and that is so incredibly cool and something that should not be taken for granted. Absolutely, Connor. Well said. Absolutely. Yep. Connor, it's great to cover this with you. Uh, look forward to doing it for many, many years to come, and we'll see you here coming up in just a little bit. Yep. Great down. stuff there from uh, Connor Riley. Uh, really helping me out in a huge way today. Obviously, it's not a very easy show to do on the heels of absolutely zero sleep. So Connor stepping in and being a part of this. Uh, and what he said there at the end, it just is true. It's like being around people is what makes this fun, what makes this special. And sometimes it's family and sometimes that's friends. Sometimes that's strangers that you just end up hugging during the game. But that's what ends up making this what it is. And so um, that is what it really is all about. And I loved seeing it. You know, last night I was not uh, with my family, but I was with a lot of my uh, you know, friends who I see at these Georgia games. And it was fun to celebrate with them. And you better believe I've been on the phone. I was FaceTiming my wife from the field last night at whatever time that was, 1 a.m. her time. Uh, just kind of right down there on the field at SoFi. I've got you know, confetti. Uh, uh, our friends, uh, uh, Bob Tharp from Meriwether and Tharp, he said, can you get me some confetti? So I got confetti stuck in here. And I've become a little bit of a confetti connoisseur, if you know what I'm saying, because you have various strains of confetti. You've got the regular red and black confetti, which is kind of like what this is. But you've also got the it's important to know like the 2023 confetti that that kind of falls down if you watch it on uh tv you see that part of the confetti kind of falling down the 2023 um the confetti is also wet last night because it was raining uh so i'm getting confetti for people and uh, kind of enjoying that for myself and it's just the people that you share this with that do uh make it really really good so here's what we're going to do we're going to kind of stay in sort of dog nation daily mode but also kind of roll into a little bit of an rs andrews cool down as well and continue to thank some of the great sponsors who made all this possible for us by the way i know jake from today we uh, i talked to jake yesterday jake wanted to let all of you know uh that he was you know obviously cheering just as hard for these dogs as uh, you are we're going to talk to jake again next week but being where we are today it was going to be hard for us to connect with jake uh for this show so we'll obviously look forward to doing that again next week but uh, jake obviously coming to us via kroger and of course kroger's got kroger chef jr for you and you got some great stuff coming up here this month including coming up on january 21st getting a chance to make that dumpling sandwich sounds like a great menu item and it's always great to have uh kids getting involved in the food making process because they learn about healthy foods and how to prepare them and it gets them more excited about eating them but also it's just kind of a fun experience for them there too so kroger chef jr is the website kroger chef jr the word jr spelled out j-u-n-i-o-r uh find out about the 30-minute class where you make the dumpling sandwich here this month you also for seven dollars per child get the apron the patch the chef's hat the recipe card and of course the uh the uh, box and the dumpling maker there too so 
Kroger Chef Jr. The word Jr. spelled out J-U-N-I-O-R for a lot more on that. So we're going to do about 10 more minutes here. It's also incredibly loud in here right now because it's kind of funny. They're already taking down most of this uh, CFP signage. So hopefully uh, that's not too distracting because they're, I mean, they're just, I mean, like, literally, they're just tearing it to pieces. Uh, we still have one more press conference coming up, but they're already, you know, getting most of this down here. So we'll do about 10 more minutes or so. And then I will also tell you that you, you don't care about my travel issues, but I'm not going to be able to fly back home today. So I'm actually going to be here somewhere live uh, tomorrow as well. So it sounds like the audio is uh, not too bad. It's loud where I'm standing, but the microphone actually works pretty well. You can't hear most of that, which is good to know. So I'll actually be here in Los Angeles one more day tomorrow. Uh, so uh, that'll be weird, I guess. But then Thursday will be back to normal. And then I'll be heading towards the weekend with the big celebration right there uh, at Sanford Stadium once again, which is a really fun thing. All right. So um, let's get some comments and we'll get ready to kind of wrap things up here today. We've tried to talk about it all. If you've been with us for the entire time, you help us out. Is there something we've missed or something we haven't said enough of yet? Um, <laughs> Jacob Phillips says, we need to count on how many long drinks you crushed last night. What's the number? Listen, I'll never say, but I will say it was a great time. And it's one of those things where a lot of that was with Connor. A lot of that was with uh, Jeff Sintel. Saw Mike Griffith briefly uh, in the stadium, but a lot of that was with these guys. And you know, when you travel and you go to games like this, you end up spending a lot of time with people like that. You know, and um, uh, you know, we have our sort of stories to tell of, of kind of how we experience all of this. And obviously, I kind of do this a little bit more from the perspective of a fan. They're you know more serious journalist types. We need we need all of that. We need every lane covered. And, and uh, you know, here around Dog Nation, hopefully, we find a way to uh, to get all that done. But you better believe and we didn't leave the stadium last night because it's kind of a late night from a work standpoint so we didn't leave the stadium until after like say 1 a.m eastern time and we came back and the the host committee was nice enough to have a little soiree shindig for us and that was um it was a good time it was a good time and you know it's one of those things where it's you eventually get to the point where it's so late you're like well do i go to bed or do i just stay down here uh and just just you know wait and do this um and, and then you know you get up to the hotel and it, you know you've got people back home who are like sending regular text messages at like eastern time zone type stuff so my phone's dinging around at you know 5 a.m because back home that's 8 a.m but but listen either way it's been a great time it, it's been an unforgettable moment uh and we did have a wonderful you know it was a party last night. It really was. And it was great. And I hope that wherever you were, you were having the same kind of thing going on there as well. Uh, Worm says Dog beats three of the top five in the AP and seven of the top 25. Yes, seven ranked opponents, at least on the basis of the most recent CFP top 25. Um, that's one of the things that I think that sort of bolsters George's case to be a historic team. The fact that so much of this came against ranked opponents. And really, for the most part, none of these games were close at all. I mean, obviously, the Ohio State game was a nail-biter, but Oregon was a total blowout. You know, South Carolina, who was ranked in the last CFP Top 25, that was a total blowout. Tonight's game was, or I should say, last night's game was uh, uh, an immeasurable blowout. That not only is Georgia beating these ranked opponents, but it's really throttling them uh, and, and, yeah, I mean, that's one of those things that, that you can't forget about what George was able to do here this year. Something else that you shouldn't forget there as well is a really fun thing coming on with the Atlanta Braves here. Uh, they're going to be hosting their, uh, their, their, uh, their Winter Fan Fest coming up here presented by Delta Airlines. It's going to be January 21st. That's coming up January 21st from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Now, 
this is obviously you know something we're going to do to help promote for them but i'm going to tell you the honest truth my family loves the winter fan fest loves this event uh, we've uh, been a part of this for, for many years it's always been a really fun experience um I, I gotta tell you for families our family has gone and done this so many times so uh this is something that i heartily recommend just kind of a fun taste of baseball kind of here ahead of the start of the season and there's so much going on with like the braves i should say george just won the national championship it's easy for this to kind of get lost in the shuffle. I don't want you to, to miss out on this. In fact, it's January 21st, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, it's a fan extravaganza. There's going to be uh, brace players and coaches going to be on hand. Like in the past, like Ron Washington was like doing a coaching clinic for like the, the kids, like right down the field. And like Ron Washington's like showing my son, this is a couple of years ago, how to throw a baseball. And like, you think, he's my, you think my son's not eating that up? Of course he is. It's a wonderful experience. I also thought the Braves were great last night. They, uh, I don't know if you saw this, they had like the red lights on at Truist Park and they kind of shouted out Georgia on social media as a way of basically letting dogs know that they were rooting for them. And I don't know that there's... <laughs> The, uh, the the Venn diagram of Georgia fans who are also Braves fans is essentially just a circle. Um, so uh, these are two organizations that are pretty closely connected. And so um, it was great to see the Braves uh, shouting out uh, last night. And I'm telling you, you want to be a part of this. So go to this website. It's Braves.com slash BravesFest. Braves.com slash BravesFest. You can find out about the Q&A sessions. There's some play autograph. You can get some pictures in some cases. You really go on. I mean, the thing that my family likes is my kids love. They're just like going on the field. They like running around the field. It's, it's a major league baseball ballpark. You're on the field. Of course you'd like that. So it, it's really good. Um, a lot of the games, you know, you know, kind of around the ballpark, you can kind of play those too. So it, it's a really fun event. Braves.com slash BravesFest. That's Braves.com slash BravesFest for more on that. And I guess at this point in time, let's just go ahead and make this kind of officially our R.S. Andrews cool down. Uh, we'll, we'll do about four or five minutes here and then hop off the air. Uh, we'll make this officially our R.S. Andrews cool down. By the way, Dari Payro from R.S. Andrews, he was the game last night. He and his wife and friends, they sent me a picture of them celebrating. I was, I was so happy to see them having such a good time. And this is what I love about what we do here at Dog Nation, the fact that so many of our great sponsors, I mean, they're in this. Uh, like, they love these dogs, and they want to see Georgia do well, and they've grown to love all of you who are a part of Dog Nation and Georgia fans. They, you know, they, they, they want to enjoy all of that. And so here in L.A. last night, you better believe Dari Pero of Morris Andrews was living it up. And my guess is he probably had this game bet about seven different ways, too. So I, I know he was enjoying all of that. So what am I forgetting? Hopefully that's it for everything. Uh, how about a few final comments, and then we'll get ready to go after that. And we'll just uh, we'll kind of let, um, you know, let, let folks sort of have their say. Uh, Randy Hall says, I commit to stay awake until next year's national championship. Well, it sort of feels like I've been awake since last year's national championship. I have to say it sort of feels that way. Uh, but uh, but hopefully we're, we're making some sense today and getting through it. I just hope that, you know, through last night's show and, you know, maybe this morning we're able to just sort of convey the emotion of the moment about just how great it is to be a Georgia fan right now. These are truly, truly wonderful days. Uh, great to be a Georgia fan indeed uh craig jones says you won both lines of scrimmage and it was over imposed our will and that's just what georgia does and you know it ended up being far more points than i expected but it was pretty obvious early going with the exception of maybe like that that one bus to play uh it was pretty obvious in the early going that Georgia was going to be Georgia here. And, you know, listen, TCU had a couple of running plays where, I, you know, got a little bit more than I, you know, sometimes you expect them to get. But but Georgia locked that down. They took care of business. Uh, as our buddy Santiago Arnold said earlier, Bear Alexander playing a huge role on that. And when Georgia 
when Georgia does what it does in those lines of scrimmage, they become a very tough team to beat. And last night, this Georgia team was indeed a very, very tough team to beat. All right, uh, last comments here. Um, Travis McCullough says the uh, Gums better be concerned about who their starting quarterback is going to be next year. Uh, beyond just Alabama, when you look at the kind of the landscape around college football, it's not obvious who Georgia's chief competition next year is going to be. I mean, I would say that Ohio State's probably up there. They're going to be changing a quarterback too, but you assume they're going to have you know a good signal caller. But you know, beyond that, you know, while you obviously know for a fact that that Georgia's going to be back in this conversation, it's not obvious who's going to join them, and it's certainly not obvious that it's going to be Alabama. Kent Holcomb says he'd love to see Stetson Bennett in a Falcons uniform. I think that'd be really fun, too. Uh, Ken Feinberg said he heard Darnell's mom was in attendance last night. Great to see a guy like Darnell playing in the Pacific time zone. A little easier for his family to be a part of that. That's great. Um, Barry Watkins says, how about them legendary dogs? Year of the dogs, too. Yeah, it was legendary. Uh, and this is a legendary team. It is the stuff of legend for sure. Uh, Ryan Walker says, now that the folks that picked against us all year, i got to eat their words. Desmond Howard, uh, Heather Denich. Heather's been walking around here, by the way. Shannon Sharp, Stephen A. Smith. Um, all we do is continue to make blowhards look foolish. Ryan, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, absolutely right about that. Uh, Joe Moody says, Robert Griffith was also, uh, RG3 was all over TCU before the game there as well. So I guess maybe you wouldn't expect anything less from the Texas guy, RG3. Um, George Herndon also on the very funny exchange between David Pollock and Nick Saban. And that's one of those things where it's pretty obvious very quickly that the Internet was going to kind of blow up on that. People were responding to that in a, in a, in a very big way. Uh, yes. <laughs> so that ended up being kind of one of the funny moments from last night as well. All right. A few final comments over here on YouTube. And then, y'all, we got to go. Uh, Christy says, oh. Christy says, hopefully now that Georgia's national champions again, they might actually get a night game at home at some point in time. Maybe Georgia should have the championship parade at night just so fans can actually see the stadium lit up. <laughs> I should have suggested that. Hey, but what about having it at night uh, just so you can see it lit up for a change? Uh, Andrew Hughes says, B.A., say it with us. I've been saying it all season long. Dogs by 50. Well, last night is even more than that. So, Andrew, you are, you are absolutely right about that. Lee Burroughs says, congrats, B.A., you and all of Dog Nation. Love your gator hater hat. Oh, yeah, I do have the gator hater hat on today. Let me tell you something. My hair is a mess. And la yesterday, y'all uh, gave me grief about how bad my hair looked yesterday. It looks even worse today. Um, I am indeed sort of, you know, Stetson GMA style here with, with that. Um, yeah, so th th there's a lot of fun stuff going on here. Uh, Jay Buchanan says, I watched the game with all my neighbors here in Chattanooga. They're all Tennessee fans. So it is to say, I was the loudest in the room. Go dogs!" Uh, indeed, that's the case. Uh, Jonathan Aaron says, with everything we have coming back next year and coming in, don't you think we'll have more games uh, like last night? Um, uh, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, John Wisner, thanks for the kind words. I, or I should say Josh Wisner, thanks for the kind words. I appreciate that. Um, Andrew, who says that dog fans need to fight for Stet just as hard as he fought for us, get him the College Football Hall of Fame. So I have to admit, there's a lot of that kind of stuff where it's like you have to have so-and-so and you have to have this and you have to have that about making the College Football Hall of Fame. I know that there's been kind of a push to sort of um, – Make, make room for a guy like Eric Russell, who we would, would all say is obviously very deserving of being in the College Football Hall of Fame. And I don't think there's any doubt that Stetson Bennett has, you know, put together a College Football Hall of Fame career. And so whatever hoops that need to be jumped through or whatever legalities that need to be cleared up, I don't think there's any doubt that's exactly where Stetson Bennett needs to be. And we're obviously going to have many more days 
of talking about that. So here's the thing. I know a lot of days we go to like 1130 or so in the comments. Yo, I promise we'll get back to our studio and we'll do all the normal stuff like we always do. We'll have more time tomorrow to kind of, you know, sort of stretch our feet on that a little bit, maybe. Um, but for now, there's another press conference going to take place in really just a few minutes. Kirby Smart and these guys are going to kind of walk through here. So let me get out of here. Let me go see if I can move this camera in here. I want to try to show some of this to you. So if we, we'll see if we can get set up for that. Let me say thanks to R.S. Andrews for making this possible. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric. They take care of you on all of that. If your water heater goes out, you had folks over from the game last night, they end up st staying over. They end up using all your hot water. If that thing gets busted, you need a new one. In many cases, R.S. Andrews can replace it for you the same day. So find them online at rsandrews.com. Also, um, check out the AJC. Uh, they got great coverage of what happened here over the course of the last few days. They had a whole team of folks here covering that. As I told you before, AJC.com slash Dogs News. You can get the field editions. You can get so many things to celebrate this Georgia National Championship. Get some rest if you're at work. Get through it. Kind of put that like, you know, Excel spreadsheet up on your screen make people think you're working or whatever else uh make people think that you're uh, doing what you need to to get through it uh then uh, get some rest and we'll come back and we'll do it all over again tomorrow and we got many more days talk about back to back national champions dog national champions we said go for two and 22 well they they went and did it they brought it home last night and we couldn't be prouder go for two and 22 it's a mission complete and we're going to be celebrating it for a long time to come thanks for being with us here today on dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia we'll talk to you again tomorrow everybody